Okay, well, y'all, it is time to dive into this morning. Anybody ready? Is anybody excited to be here? Amen. Me too. Well, y'all, I am so stoked about what I'm preaching about this morning. Um, If it's your first time with us today or if you've been coming for 50 years, uh, if you are in the building or if if you're with our online church, I want to say welcome, Clawson family. Would you give everybody a welcome this morning? Yes. It is a party in the room. Amen. When the Holy Spirit of God shows up, it's time to party. Somebody say amen. And so, y'all, if you haven't been with us, let me try to catch you up because today is the last week of a long process that we've been walking through. I started a series about, I think it was 11 or 12 weeks ago, called The Gifts of God. Does anybody like gifts? Yes. Amen. Well, God's given us lots of gifts. And so we, we did this series on the gifts of God, and we gave, first of all, I talked about the, the difference between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and so we talked about the gifts of the Father, in which we learned the best gift that the Father gave us was... Jesus. And then when we got to Jesus, we started doing the gifts of Jesus. And we did apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, the Holy Spirit. We learned that the best gift that Jesus gave us was the Holy Spirit. So then we started tackling the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The very first week on the Holy Spirit, I I shared with you, I tried to answer any question that you could possibly have on the Holy Spirit. And we tackled some tough questions. Amen. And then we looked at uh, the, the, the roles of the Holy Spirit. We looked at last week the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how I believe, and we talked about this in prayer meeting this morning, I believe it should not be, it should not shock us when God heals people. It shouldn't be something that just, like, if God heals, it's, it's like shocking to us. It should be a normal occurrence in a, in a church, in a people that's filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For God to stir in us the gifts of the Holy Spirit, healing and miracles and all the different things that we see there in the gifts. And so we've been talking about this. If you, uh, if you haven't been able to keep up with the series and you want to go back and watch some of it, you can watch it on Clawson.tv or you can just listen to it. I listen to lots of things on podcasts. We have Clawson Church Podcast. You can listen to it on podcasts. But today is the last week. Everybody say last week. Today is the last week on um, the gifts of God. And to be honest with you, I think that today may be the most important of all of the weeks on the gifts of God. Because what you're going to see in just a minute is I'm going to be preaching about the the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say fruit. And what you're going to find out is if you put in your life everything everything else that I have preached up to this point, and you do not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit bearing in your life, what you're going to find is that you have vastly mistaken. Amen? If you don't believe me, I want to show you exactly how important the fruit of the Holy Spirit is in our life. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here's what it says. It says, if I could speak in all of the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be only, I would, I would be nothing. If I gave everything that I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Check this out, y'all. We talked about the gifts of the Holy Spirit last week. How many of y'all noticed that he input four of the gifts in the scripture? He input four of the gifts. And here's what he said. 
He said, if you could speak in tongues, if you can prophesy, if you can give special knowledge, if you have great faith, but you do not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, do you not have love that is, that is blooming in your life, then you have gained nothing. Turn to your neighbor and tell them nothing. That means I can do everything, all of these things, but if I'm not producing these things, then it says I would be nothing, I would have gained nothing. Well, that, that's huge. Now, I would go as far as to say that the fruit that you grow in your life proves to the world whose you are. Think about that. Write that in your notes. The fruit that you grow in your life proves to the world whose you are. If I say that I'm a Christian, but I'm not growing these fruits, the world actually knows I'm not a Christian. My fruit that I bear proves who I am. If you don't believe me, let's look at one more verse of scripture. Matthew chapter seven. I want to read verses 17 through 20. It says this, a good tree, everybody say good tree. Good tree. Let me let you guess, produces what kind of fruit? Good a good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces, bad fruit. oh man, you guys are good. A good tree cannot produce, and a bad tree can't produce, so every tree, listen to this, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Everybody say, not me. Not me. I'm prophesying that. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruits, you can identify people by their actions. Listen, I'm not trying to say that you work your way to heaven. We do not work our way to heaven. There's nothing that I can do to get me to heaven. But when I give my life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes and lives in me and leads me and grows in me and matures me in Christ, what happens is the fruit that I used to bear begins to be cut off and the new fruit that I have begins to bloom under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's quiet in here. I don't like that. Turn to your neighbor and tell them my fruit's important. You know why lots of people don't like Christians? Listen, we, we, were, we, were, uh, we were in San Marcos yesterday. At San Marcos, we stopped at Freebirds, and we were eating at Freebirds. We came out of Freebirds, and, uh, and Puzz, he goes up to this car. The lady rolls down. And he was singing. That was funny. He was singing, and the lady rolls down her window and says that he sings good. Well, that was shocking, and she lied to him. And it's okay. That's, I mean, it's all right. And so she said, he sings good. And he said, he asked her, are you a Christian? And she says, no, I'm not a Christian. And he says to her, do you want to be a Christian? And she says, no, I don't. And I thought, dang. And it, it made me think, why would somebody not want to be a Christian? You know why people don't want to be a Christian? I can tell you. I met a lot of Christians that were saying that they were Christians, but the fruit that they were bearing... So when I say that I'm a Christian and really I bear bad fruit, man, I give him a bad name. Dang. And so she said she didn't have any idea. And he tried to convince her to be a Christian and she didn't want any part of it. Listen, here's what Gandhi said. And I use this quote all the time because it's so powerful. It reminds me of why I do what I do and why I preach as hard as what I preach. Here's what Gandhi said. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Dang. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning 
I pray this morning that you would help us to be like our Christ. I pray this morning that if we are going to bear the name of Jesus, that if we are going to tell the world around us that we serve and that we love and that we follow Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would help us to bear the fruit of Jesus. I pray that we would have desirable fruit that when they look at our lives, it would never be, no, I don't want to be that, but it would be, how can I jump in? Help us, Lord, to grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said? Amen. Okay, the title to the message this morning is The Fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Here's what it says. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love this verse. There is no law against these things. Somebody say, that's good. good. Now, I want you to notice here, he says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So if we are not producing this kind of fruit, maybe there's an issue of the Holy Spirit either not being in here or us not being led by the Holy Spirit. Because it says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. So what Paul is saying here is that this is how we can have a checkup on our spiritual health. This is how we can diagnose inside of us if everything is going on like it should or if, if we're unhealthy and we're sick. Anybody ever go to the doctor? Anybody hate going to the doctor? Okay, how many of y'all, you go to the doctor and you wait, you sit and you wait for four hours? Okay, you can put your hands down. You sit and you wait for four hours and then after four hours, the doctor comes in and the doctor's like, hey, what's, what do you think's wrong with you? And you're like, oh, I think I probably got the flu. And he's like, oh, okay, well, uh, let, me, let me medicate you up and just write your prescription. And then he just takes off and in, in literally 10 seconds, he doesn't actually diagnose you. He just, it takes your word for it and then he walks out. Anybody got one? Of, y'all need a new doctor. <laughs> if the doctor's letting you diagnose yourself, you don't need that doctor. You just write your own prescription. I mean, don't do that. That's illegal. Um, So listen, when you go to a good doctor, here's what the doctor does. You say, oh, I think I got the flu. And he says, well, why do you think you got the flu? Let me, let me diagnose you to see if you actually got the flu. Let's see, you got, you got all this nasty junk running out your nose. That's pretty nasty. Everybody say nasty. You got a, a temperature of 103, okay. Are you having hot and cold flashes? You are having hot and cold flashes, okay. And so they begin to write down and see exactly what's going on. What are your symptoms? What are not your symptoms? And then he says either, yeah, you got the flu or you don't got the flu, but this is what you need to do to get better, right? That's what a good doctor does. Everybody else that raised your hand, you need to fire your doctor, okay? You need a new one. Uh, And so, uh, because a good doctor diagnoses where the problem is so that you can get healthy again. And so, this scripture right here is a diagnosis of where you are spiritually. I I can jab the spiritual thermometer of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control into my life. And if I am not operating in those things, then there is an area in my life that I'm sick. And I need to begin to work to fix that area. Amen? So as we go over these fruit... Don't just, don't just be that person that sit there and says to yourself, well, I'm really good at you know, love, joy, and peace, but, but I'm just never going to be good at patience. That's the wrong attitude. Yeah. 
Because if you got the Holy Spirit moving in your life, you can be good at patience. I'm never going to be good at gentleness. Oh, God. That's hard for me. But when the Spirit is moving in your life, you can be good at gentleness. You can be faithful. You can have self-control. And so this morning, we are diagnosing some sick areas in our lives so that we can get better and not be okay with staying the same. Everybody okay with that? Okay, here we go. We're going to dive right in. I'm going to give you all of the nine fruit of the Spirit. We're going to dive into that. And then we're going to talk about how to begin to produce these things in our life. Number one, everybody say number one. Number one, love. Everybody say love. In John chapter four and verse 19, it says, we love each other because he first loved us. I, I love the scripture says, God is love. Did you know that the fact is, if the Holy Spirit is moving in me, I can love all people? Amen. But pastor, what about, no, no. If the Holy Spirit is moving and growing and producing fruit in you, you can love all people. First Corinthians chapter 13 says, if we do not love, we have gained nothing. First Corinthians chapter 14 starts off with let love be your highest goal. Thank you. Let love be your highest goal. Jesus is asked by some Pharisees and Sadducees, what is the greatest commandment? You know what he says? Love God and love people. Everything else can be fulfilled if you will do these two things. Love God and love people. Turn to your neighbor and say, love is important. I personally believe in the time that we live in that the term love has been extremely distorted. And part of the reason that it's distorted is because we use the term love for everything. I love chicken wings. I love food, period. I love steak. I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I love my family. I love my church. I love, I mean, you, y'all probably love something that I don't love. I love, we, we use that term a lot, don't we? But listen, I, I want to challenge some things that you love because one of the, the areas that we show that we love is if we are committed to the thing that we say that we love. Am I committed to the chicken wings? Sometimes. When Evan's in town. Yes. That's the only time. Am I committed to Ben and Jerry's? Yes. Yes, I am. I will. Bluebell is a sin. Ben and Jerry. Oh, some of y'all need to get saved. Am I committed to my church? Am I committed to my God? Am I committed to my spouse? If I say that I love something and I am not committed, I am really just blowing smoke. I prove that I love by the way that I am committed. And we say in our culture that we love everything and we're committed to nothing. You cannot love something that you're not committed to. It doesn't matter how emotional you get about it. Somebody say amen. The second way that love's been distorted in our society is, is love has been confused with never correcting, never judging, never standing up for, never coming against. That's baloney. Amen. 
Amen? Listen, if I love something, I want what is best for that person. If I love my children, I'm going to discipline my children. Matter of fact, Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Well, I don't spank my kids. You hate your kids. Oh, snap. I'm getting canceled for that. Well, pastor, I just think, you think, huh? Those who spare the rod of discipline, huh? I don't care what you think. You know what I know? I know that I got my butt tore up when I was growing up. And you know what I know? When I got my butt tore up, it put some act right in me. Some of us, some of us questioning why our children acting a fool is because you need to tear a butt up. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. And then the second part of the verse, I ain't saying beat them and hurt them. I'm saying you love them enough to tell them and show them that what they're doing is not okay. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Listen, I know when I was growing up, my, my parents, my dad cried when he spanked me. He ain't German. If he was German, he wouldn't have cried. He cried. He would say, baby, this hurts me so much more than it does you. What you talking about? It ain't hurting you. You just swinging your arm. Then when I became a dad, I understood. It does hurt me more than it hurts them. Dad, thank you. Listen, we've been confused with our culture to say that love says I cannot stand up for something. If I stand up, if I stand against something, then I hate people. That's bull. I stand for the truth and you can think whatever you want to think. That's what love is. Love is being committed to and love is, 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 is having enough emotion and love and commitment towards something that I want what is best for you. So I'm going to preach hard to you. I preach hard to you because I love you and because you need to know the truth. Somebody say amen. That right there is the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out of me. The fruit of love. All right, number two, joy. Hey, actually, before we get to number two, I want you to take a pen or your phone. I want you to keep up. with. Oh, we're going to do all nine. I'll do mine. In your phone, in your notes, I want you to write love and then I want you to rate yourself. Not off of your emotions. I want you to rate yourself off of your commitment level and off of what you are willing to stand up for. How well do you show love? How well do you show love? One through 10. One is I suck real bad at it. 10 is nobody else can be better than me. If you write 10, you need to be at the altar. I'm just saying. That ain't okay. All right, number two, joy. Everybody say joy. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses 16 through 18. It says, rejoice always. Pray continually. Be joyful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you. I like that. You know what God's will for is for you? For you to be joyful. Every time I read that scripture, I start singing. Right now, it just, it just happened. You have given me a joy that won't 
Oh, thanks, y'all. Dang. My, my throat's already jacking up, and then you make me squeak because you didn't help me out. <laughs> Every time I read that scripture, that's what starts going on in my life, in my, in, in my mind, in my brain. True joy is a quality of life. It's not an emotion. Joy is a quality of life. It comes from being grounded in God. If you're a child of God, if he has saved you and you ain't going to hell and you're going to spend eternity with Jesus, you got a lot to be joyful about. And think about this. Before I was a follower of Jesus Christ, what did I have? I had a body. One day this body going to go back into the ground, though. I had, let's see, what did I have before I was a follower of Christ? I had a body. I had a home, a little trailer house I was living in. My home can be taken away. My furniture could be taken away. I had a job, which I could have got fired at. I, I, I had things, but I did not have anything that could sustain my joy. I had things that could make me emotionally happy. I did not have anything that could sustain my joy. Amen? Amen. Now, now watch. After I gave my life to Jesus, I now have a promise that he is winning the war and that when I die, I got to be in heaven with him for eternity. That gives me some joy. When I gave my life to Jesus, he began to empower me with the Holy Spirit and lead me and guide me. That gives me joy. I have, a one, I have the word of God that sustains me. I have a, a, a family of believers that surround me and, hurt and, and help me. I have the blessings of God in my life. I got a lot to be joyful about. You know what I found? It doesn't matter the circumstances. When I have God, my joy can be sustained. Paul says, I have found that I can be content in all things. Whether I am rich or I am poor, whether I am full or I am hungry, whether I am, you can put it, I can be content in all things. You know why he could be content in all things? Because the, the, the fruit of joy was growing in his life, and it didn't matter the circumstances that was coming at him. He was joyful. Somebody say amen. amen. Joy should be pouring from the life, your life, if you're operating in the Holy Spirit. Number three, peace. Anybody... Can we be vulnerable with each other? Anybody ever find it challenging to have peace? I, I'm your pastor, and I find it challenging. Some of y'all are much more spiritual than I. I find it challenging sometimes to have peace. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7, it says, Then you will experience God's peach, peace, peach, <laughs> peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as you live in him. Now check this out. The Greek word here is irene. It's an inner quietness that comes from inner strength. Now here's the cool thing, y'all. Almost every time that this word irene is used in the Bible, it's, it's referring to the elimination of an enemy. Now stay with me. The elimination of an enemy. Now, let me ask you a question. When war takes place, at the end of the war, what do you have? There's, there's peace. Some, there's, there's peace but typically between nations. Okay, so at the end of an, a war, at the end, the elimination of an enemy, here's how we can have peace in our lives no matter what. 
Because we know that at the end of the war, our enemy has already been eliminated. At the end of our battle, we can know that we can win every battle. We can win everything that we face. Why? Because the one that we serve is always winning the war. He's always winning the victory. And I can grow and move in peace because of the God that I serve and the Holy Spirit that moves in me. Okay, so we didn't do it. Rate yourself on joy, one through 10, and now rate yourself on peace. If you are somebody that worries all the time, if you have problems with being anxious, uh, if you have problems with depression, obviously you're going to go lower in peace. Uh, if you find that you're always peaceful, maybe you're an eight, nine, I don't know, you rate yourself. Okay, number four. Everybody say four. four. Patience. <clears throat> I think we're going to skip four. Let's go to five. <laughs> Ah, okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter four and verse two. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Amen. The act of being patient with people. Sometimes I just look up and I go, God, have you met people? Some people I can be patient with. Some people, I need to pray a lot when I'm around them. Does anyone ever find that challenging? Anyone ever have the urge to retaliate against people? You, you don't have, you just, no, don't put your hands up. I'm a natural arguer. I, I, I am. I, I'm good at it. And I like to do things that I'm good at. <laughs> and because I'm good at arguing, for, for some reason, I just naturally like to argue with people. And you know, God tests my patience. In fact, the other day, every day, it's every day. But it's like every time we go somewhere, the other day, we went to hijinks. Boom, the lady just want to be dumb with me when I walk to the door. Then we go to the the... the the water park with the kids. Lady want to be done with me. Go to go to the river. People want to be done. It's always me. <laughs> it's so funny. My wife, every time we walk away, she says, why is it always you? She says, it's the tattoos. They <laughs> just want to argue with you because of the tattoos. Like you look like somebody that wants to be, I do want to argue, but I don't want to argue. <laughs> like Josh wants to argue, but the Jesus in Josh is saying, stop. It's always me. People always pick on me. <sighs> can I tell you that there's so, so, so much power when you can overcome that? When, when you can not make a fool of yourself? When you cannot get kicked out of the basketball games? When you can get on the other side of it? and you were successfully patient, it does something in your spirit. Some of you, you're thinking to yourself, I can never be patient. Yes, you can. Because if I can, you can. You say, well, you're the pastor. You have to be. Well, you're a follower of Jesus. You do too. Uh-huh. 
See, what we're going to do is we're going to stop making excuses and we're going to grow in the fruit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I'm with you. I'm not judging you. I'm with you. But I do find, I find it challenging. I'm just going to stop there with patience and let's go ahead and write ourselves. Mine's a two. <laughs> it's okay. I'm growing. I was a zero. We're at two. <sighs> okay. Number five, kindness. Kindness. Kindness is a, a generous, warm-hearted, friendly nature. You ever just, you, you encounter people that they're just naturally friendly? They're just naturally kind. Kindness is a virtue that should completely consume who we are as we grow in Christ. Amen. Kindness should be a part of every interaction we have with people. Oh. Every interaction. Every? Every. Every interaction we have with people, we should be the one. Well, they weren't kind to me. Okay, well, you're Jesus. You're the one that's supposed to be set apart. You're the one giving Jesus a bad name when you're not kind. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that honestly is, is, is very lacking. Did you say I'm preaching to myself? <laughs> Feeling attacked, me too. <laughs> Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit that is very lacking in our culture. It's very lacking in our society. And you know why? It's because if you watch TV, if you watch comedy, if you watch movies, if you have conversations with people or any entertainment at all, what you will find is that people find great pleasure in cutting down people and criticizing people and being sarcastic about people and belittling people and making belittling statements about people, pointing out people's faults and mistakes and failures. That's what we see in our culture. And in this culture, God has called us to not do that. Dang. God's called us to not be those people because if we be those people, nobody else wants to follow Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry, y'all. It's hitting me. Let me, let me tell you a fact that should be obvious to us but for those of us that find it challenging to be kind, I want us to understand this. A person who is consistently kind will consistently make positive differences and impacts in people's lives. Amen. And listen to me. A person that is consistently unkind will consistently make a negative difference and impact in others' lives. Amen. And when you're not operating, when I'm not operating in kindness to those around me, odds are that I'm hurting the people around me. Amen. And that does not look good for me and it does not look good for Jesus. So let's rate ourselves, patience and kindness. Number six, goodness. Galatians chapter six and verse 10. It says, therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to. When we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone. Goodness is the quality of being morally good. You ever just meet somebody like, Man, that, that's just a good dude. Anybody? 
Like, that's a good person. Uh, um, I know several people. Matter of fact, before I hooked up my sister with her husband, because that's me. I did that. Matchmaker, matchmaker. It's me. They try to say it wasn't me, but it was. So before I, I asked a lot of people questions about Jason, I ain't trying to hook my sister up with somebody that she shouldn't be with. And you know what I found? And I'm not trying to toot his horn, but this is, this is the thing that I heard every time I asked somebody about Jason. Every single time they said, oh, that's a good dude. That's a good, every time, probably 10 people, same words every time. That's a good dude. That's a good dude. That's a good dude. <laughs> every time I ask, that's a good dude. You know why? You know why they said that's a good dude? Because he spends his time thinking about other people, caring for other people, and being a good dude. Y'all, that's awesome. I want people to say that about me. I guess the question would be when somebody asks you about Josh. Oh, God. Here's, here's what you hear. That, he's insane. We love him. Goodness, goodness, goodness. What makes him a good dude? He cares for people. He shows people that he rarely cares by the actions that he has. The fruit of goodness comes out of his life. Rate yourself right now on goodness. Okay, number seven, faithfulness. First Corinthians chapter four and verse two says, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Everybody say faithful. Okay, so faith is trusting God and believing his promises. Faithfulness is continued faith or perseverance. It's faith even when you're being attacked. Faith that lasts through fear and worry. In order for me to be faithful, I have to extend my faith even when everything sucks around me. So now let me ask, how are you at faithfulness in every part of your life? every part of your life. So what, what does that look like? Are you a faithful friend? Are you a faithful person? Are you a faithful spouse, faithful parent, a faithful child, a faithful employee, mm. a faithful believer? Are you faithful in prayer? Are you faithful in giving? Are you faithful? Faithfulness should be a way of life Amen. for us. So when you look at your entire life, are you faithful even when everything is coming against trying to make you not faithful? Rate your faithfulness right now. Scale of one to 10. Okay, we got two more. G uh, gentleness. Whew. Philippians chapter four and verse five. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Can we just stop and pray for me? Let your gentleness be faithful to all. Y'all, I'm working real hard on it. I promise you. I'm not world famous for this. I used to be famous for being harsh. I'm no longer famous for being harsh, I think. You know what I found, though, is the more that I feed my spirit, the more that I follow the spirit, the more that I prune away my flesh and the things that I want and God doesn't actually want, the more that I allow him to cut those things off of me, what I find is that I'm so much more gentle. 
I'm more gentle with people. I'm more gentle with my wife. I'm more gentle with my children. I'm more gentle in every part of my life. Hey, let me ask you a question. For those of you that are like me, what if God was as harsh with you as you are with others? (laughs) What if... God was his hearts with you. What if he held grudges against you like you do? What if God counted all of your mistakes against you like you count everybody else's mistakes against you? <laughs> it's not what he does, is it? No, he's gentle. And because he's gentle and because gentleness is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I am required by God to be gentle. And if I'm not, I need to grow in it. And I need to stop making excuses when I'm not gentle. And I need to stop saying that's just who I am because it's bull crap and it's not. That's who you used to be. And the Bible says that you have become a new creation in Christ. And part of that new creation is developing in gentleness. I keep, I'm saying this a lot to get, yes. Don't allow people to stop you from being gentle. Uh, Rate yourself on gentleness. Number nine, (laughs) self-control. Help us all, Jesus. What is self-control? Self-control is mastery over oneself. This is hard, y'all. And it ain't just hard for me. I've seen y'all. Self-control is when I want to pop off and say something stupid, and I don't. Self-control is when I want to swipe that credit card and buy everything that I want, and I don't. Self-control is when I want to eat all of the Ben and Jerry's in the entire world, and I don't. Amen? Self-control is tough. You know how you master self-control? Look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Y'all need to memorize this one. It needs to be one of your memory verses. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Okay. Self-control or a lack thereof has to do with your thoughts. Your thoughts moving into your actions. So if you can capture the thoughts before they make actions, then you can have self-control. If you do not capture your thoughts, you cannot control yourself. And so this says we capture the rebellious thoughts and we teach them. Teach what? Teach your mind. Teach your thoughts to be obedient to Jesus Christ. I've memorized this scripture because I have had times when I had a huge lack of self-control and I just kept saying, capture your thoughts, capture your thoughts, capture your thoughts. Before you act, capture your thoughts. Stop yourself. Some of y'all, you need to write that down. Capture my thoughts, capture my thoughts, capture my thoughts. That needs to be your new thing before you act at all. Capture my thoughts. Let's go back to the Bible. Let's think about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What does Jesus want me to do? I can have self-control. Amen? Amen? So let's rate ourselves on self-control. Rate yourself on self-control. Hey, I, I want you to know too, self-control doesn't mean that you never sin. I, I, I go back here a lot because I think a lot of times 
people sin, they make a mistake, they mess up, and then they don't want to come back to God because they got guilt and they got shame and they got all these things. Self-control is you growing and mastering yourself. Everyone's going to make mistakes. Pastors are going to make mistakes. Okay? Self-control is learning from my mistakes and stopping from making them again. And if I'm making them, if I make them again, let's go longer next time before we make it again. And then let's go longer until we're no longer at all making those mistakes. That's how you master self-control. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, so um, all of these nine things make up the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now my, now my question is, based off of your ratings, one through 10, how are we doing at growing the fruit of the Holy Spirit? As I stab the spiritual thermometer into your heart, into your life, how are you doing with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, suffering, gentleness, and self-control? In closing this morning, I want to invite our worship team to come up. And um, I want to try to give you two pieces to growing in these gifts. How many of y'all would say... I need to do better. Oh, nice. It's not just me. Yes. <laughs> I need to do way better. Okay. I want to give you two pieces this morning that I think can help us if we actually want to grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If we want to stop producing self and producing flesh and producing bad fruits, and we want to start producing the right fruit, I want to give you two things this morning. Everybody say two things. Two things this morning that's going to help you to grow in producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Galatians chapter 5. This is what we read, verses 23 and 20, 22 and 23. It says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Then the next two verses. Everybody say the next two verses. Are crucial in growing the fruit. And here's what they say. Those who belong... To Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and they've crucified them there and since we are living by the spirit no longer by the flesh but by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives how do we grow in the fruit of the Holy Spirit there's two pieces there Number one is that we nail Josh's passions and Josh's sinful desires to the cross. And we leave them there. You know what that means? That means I don't get to make excuses for them anymore. That means I don't get to just say anymore that that's who I am because I've got rid of it and I've nailed it to the cross. Jesus died on the cross so that I did not have to live in the junk that I'm living in. Can I be honest with you? Josh doesn't want to be patient. But Jesus and Josh does. And so what I have to do is I have to take patience and I have to go, we got to get rid of Josh. We have to get rid of my lack of patience. I got to nail it to the cross and I got to say, okay, Jesus in me, I can do this. Josh doesn't want to be gentle. 
Josh wants to be harsh with people because people are harsh with Josh. But Jesus doesn't want me to be harsh, so I got to take that harshness. And the scripture said, I got to nail my sinful desires. Listen, I desire to be harsh, so I have to nail it to the cross. Dang. I truly don't want to have self-control. You'll hear me say all the time, I don't have a filter. I kind of like that about me. But some parts of me really need to be filtered. And so what I have to do is say, even though Josh doesn't want to have self-control, when Josh controls Josh, it's not good. And so we got to nail Josh's control of Josh to the cross. And we have to allow the Spirit's control. And there was two pieces. One part is that, listen, (laughs) I'm not the only one in the room. Holy Spirit's working on some people right now. And he's telling you there are some desires that you have that you need to take the hammer and you need to nail it to the cross and stop making excuses and stop saying that's just who I am and take the stinking hammer and get rid of it. You will never grow in the fruit if you don't. That's number one, nail it. Nail it to the cross. Number two, follow the Spirit's leading. You know what he's not going to do? He's not going to lead you into being yourself. He's going to lead you into being like Jesus. If every Christian in the world was nailing their sinful desires to the cross and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead and guide their life, everyone would want to be a Christian. But the truth is that most people are more like me than they are Jesus. And we find it challenging to get rid of self. If I want to prune, if I want to grow in the gifts, I have to nail my sinful desires to the cross and I have to allow, follow the Spirit's lead in every part of my life. Would you stand with me this morning? Altar team, would you come up to the front and begin praying? with every head bowed and every head closed. You know what I believe? (laughs) I believe there's more people in here like me than there is like Jesus. And I believe that if we were open and honest with ourselves, and if we stabbed that spiritual thermometer in my heart, then I would find some areas in my life that I need to... Some areas in my life that I need to nail the cross. Some areas in my life that I've in the past just said that's who I am. And Jesus right now is saying, no, it's not. That's who you were. It's not, it's not who I want you to be. And I believe that if we're honest with each other, that God wants to do a work in my heart today. And what he's asking from you is to be honest with yourself to nail those desires to the cross and to follow him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and I'm speaking to you, 
Holy Spirit's working on you and you have some areas in your life that need to be nailed to the cross. You have some desires. You have some passions. You have some areas that you just thought, well, that's my personality disorder. That's who I am. And Jesus today is saying, if you're going to carry my name, that can't be who you are. If you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Josh, I find it challenging sometimes to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you want prayer, or if you're here and you just want to get, find a place where you can get along with Jesus and nail those things to the cross and allow him to shift things in you. Every head bowed and every head closed. We're about to sing a worship song. And if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit's leading you, he's guiding you, and you know that he wants to do a work in you, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this cross down here too because there's a lots of nails in this cross that are not nailed. If Holy Spirit this morning is saying to you, there are some things in you that you need to nail to the cross and you wanna grab this hammer and you wanna hammer away, here's, here's all I'm asking. If you're gonna come do this, I need you to leave it in the cross. I need you to stop making an excuse. I need you to allow Jesus to do the work in you that you're doing up here. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Holy Spirit, right now, I just pray that you would begin the work in us. Begin the work in us. If you're here, and God's leading you, guiding you. You need to come pray. You need to come have somebody pray with you. You need to do better. Or you want to come to the front and just worship the Lord as we begin to sing this song. Or if you want to come grab this hammer and you want to hammer in these nails. Right now, as they begin to sing this song, would you come? Come on, do not allow Satan to talk you out of getting what God wants to do in your heart and in your life this morning. Right now, come on, come on. <laughs>